0: Welcome back to the next episode of On Turbine, and I'm your host PJ. So I hope the previous episode has been somewhat useful and informative to you guys. And you know, this is the end of December, 2022 is going to finish, a new year, a new resolution, a new start. And so new resolution and a new season, which means On Turbine is going to end at season one with this episode and the season two is going to start brand new with a lot more informative sessions and a huge guest by january 2023 so just make sure to follow the podcast on spotify and apple podcast you can also listen to entrebuying Podcast over Stitcher, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Our guest today is Nadia Ladak. She is the co-founder and CEO of Marlow. Marlow is so much more of an interesting company. It's a menstrual health brand. You know that has created the first ever, like the first ever lubricated tampons. So the reason I stress over the first is because it's truly the first. As technology grows and things grows you know, there is this vacuum that's been left with the clinical hygiene of women. We consider talking about things as taboo, you know, in today's, even in this, you know, well-developed environment, you know, I wanted to put a spotlight over this product so that everybody gets benefited from it. Nadia finished her bachelor's of business administration in Ivy business school. As soon as she graduated, she started with Marlu. She worked in Scotia, Teles Accenture, and KPMG. When she graduated, she co-founded and is currently the CEO of Marlowe. So let's hear a story. Hi, Nadia. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm. I'm doing so great.
1: First off, thank you so much for being on the show. This is like the final episode of the season one, like the tenth episode, and I have to truly say this is like the episode that I was waiting for because so far all the entrepreneurs that I had was a male entrepreneur and I'm trying (laughs) to get a female entrepreneur on the show at least for the end of the season I was damn sure that I want to get a female entrepreneur one or the other way like uh, they had different schedules and they had to cancel it I've been like i couldn't able to bring up those persons over here and i'm very very happy to finally have a female entrepreneur on the show thank you so much this is very very happy in terms of you know having you on the show so how do i call you like nadia or you know the revolutionary femtech ceo so tell us (laughs) how did it all get started
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on the show as well. Um, And our journey with Marlo, it really started in our last year of Western. We were taking an entrepreneurship capstone course. And in that course, our professor told us to find a problem that we were passionate about solving. And I remember my co-founders and I, we started talking about different things that we were passionate about, whether it be sustainability or our health and wellness. And it was then that one of my co-founders opened up and shared that she's always experienced pain when inserting tampons. And she was a swimmer, so she needed tampons to compete in her sport. And she would get really frustrated when she didn't have products that worked for her. And she wasn't alone. We did a survey and found that 86% of people experience pain inserting tampons at some point in time across their period. and so with that in mind we're really determined to find some kind of solution and my co-founder went to the gynecologist for some advice and the gynecologist told her to spit on her tampon to make it easier to insert and that's just such a defining moment in our founding journey because we just realized the lack of innovation in this space and how there's the opportunity to do so much more than just this initial product. And so we started by solving tampon insertion pain. We've created the first lubricated tampon to make it much easier to insert. But really what we're doing is much more than that. We have this opportunity to completely disrupt the menstrual health industry to provide education and resources to make it more easily digestible with the goal and hope of reducing the stigma around on these taboo topics.
1: Great. So... Basically, what exactly does your company does? Could you explain it? What is the insertion tampon? Yes. So
2: a lot of people experience pain inserting tampons, whether that's due to anxiety. You could be new to using the product. Um, You could have a lighter flow, sometimes caused by birth control. You could have dryness. You can even have different medical conditions. And so our product is 100% organic cotton, and it's a plant-based applicator in a compostable wrapper. So we've really taken steps to prioritize environmental sustainability. And then it's paired with a water-based lubricant that you dip your tampon into, and it makes it an even, perfect coat so that you can insert it smoothly and be able to continue to enjoy the activities you love. It's delivered through um, a direct-to-consumer subscription model as well, so there's no worry about making those last-minute trips to shoppers or forgetting to buy your tampons. This just comes automatically to you every single month.
1: So what do you see as a difference between a regular tampon and the tampons that you make right now? And... Dust, you know, that's the well truly doesn't have any lubricants for tampons. I'm just curious about it.
2: Yeah, it's true. We There is no other lubricated tampon on the market. We are the very first one. Um, the only alternative would be if you were to buy your own lubricant from the drugstore and try and like pour it on a tampon, which some people have done. We've learned that people are hacking the solution at home and trying to do that. But when we talked to them, they shared that it's almost like arts and crafts in the bathroom stall and it's very messy. It's not convenient. So our solution is designed with a cross slit valve at the top so that when you dip your tampon in, it really is that even of lubricant and makes it much easier to insert it's convenient and it's travel size
1: great so coming to the tampon like is it how does the cotton differs from the regular tampon
2: so normally, if you were to buy tampons from the drugstore, it'll have synthetic material, it might have chemicals. Ours is 100% organic cotton. That's the only ingredient. So you know you're getting a pure tampon um, and it's the ingredients are better for your body, for your health. Um, you can do some research. We have some more information on our website about that as well. But um, we have prioritized that 100% organic cotton
1: that's great think so, like, as you said looking at your website i looked through your website but it was so impressive to read through every single as life. we have developed so much in terms of technology over these years but the steps that we take you know through a clinical hygiene i think we are still long back, you know lagged back over there so mm-hmm. i just wanted to mention about your website to the listeners just go and check out the website Mm -hmm. truly you'll find you know your your presence over there in the website and you feel okay this is the right one for us i actually felt it that was great and i have this question right from knowing your brand like what was your parents reaction when you said to them (laughs) like this is what i'm gonna do what was their reaction
2: that's honestly, that could be a whole story. It's so funny because I was working full time at KPMG and management consulting. And I remember Marlo was starting to take off. We'd started to raise our first investment round. And so I really wanted to dive all in. So I came home and I was talking to my parents and I said, look, I think I'm going to quit my job at KPMG to work full time on this. And um, they immigrated to this country. So all they ever wanted for us was to have a really good education and a stable job and so when I told them, I'm going to quit this very stable corporate job to pursue a tampon <laughs> startup, they were they were pretty shocked at first, but now they're some of the most supportive people in my startup journey. We'll have conversations about tampons at the dinner table. My dad will reshare things on LinkedIn. He'll talk to his friends about it. Um, so they're very supportive throughout the entire process, which I'm very lucky. But it started as a funny conversation of, yeah, I'm going to quit my full-time job to work full-time on this tampon <laughs> startup.
1: that's great you know families don't talk openly on these kind of Mm -hmm. topic and as you know periods and trends changes it's great that families do have the same you know topic in the dinner table so what actually inspired you to get into femtech first of all
2: so we kind of accidentally stumbled into it it was always something i was interested in health and wellness um overall femtech but once i got into the space i realized how much there was just an opportunity to advocate in this space and really make an impact because 50% of the population will menstruate at some point in time. And impact is something that's always that I've always used as a motivator. So realizing that I can impact so many people with this product and with this education really inspired me. And every day we get messages from our community talking about how they're learning about their body, how we're helping them to do things that they've never been able to do before. And so just seeing that impact and that motivation and realizing how much we still can help with products beyond this this initial product was really inspiring to me. And there's so many aspects to Femtech, whether it's reproductive health, um, menopause, fertility. So just seeing all the aspects that this encompasses and meeting founders in this space, it's really, really inspiring to see what everyone's working on. So
1: to talk clearly about your product, like parents eventually Had you know piled up this fear towards inserting menstrual cup or tampons, like they're not ready for it. Like they're not ready to teach their childrens in terms as well. Now coming from my country, coming from place where I'm from, like it's still you know parents don't talk up to their kids about what they really feel, what they really have as a problem. And even as a girl or a woman, we still are into that shell where we don't openly talk up. But for those who think and talk openly, how would you say your product is safe, especially the lubricating liquid?
2: Definitely. Well, we actually had to go through a series of testing. A lot of people don't know, but a tampon is a medical device. And so it's regulated by Health Canada, by the FDA, by different regulatory bodies, depending on your country. And so we actually partnered with a research lab through the development of our product. And we did a series of tests that we submitted to Health Canada. And that resulted in us successfully receiving our Health Canada approval after a year long of testing. Um, We also collaborated with gynecologists and pelvic physiotherapists throughout this entire process as well so we really have trusted credible people backing up this product saying how it's safe to use and then having those tests and the health canada approvals beyond that as well Um, and i know that is a question a lot of times that parents are not sure if this is safe to use so we actually created a whole parents guide on our website answering some of the most common questions that we get so happy to share that across as well that if you're interested in learning more about it definitely check out that parents guide and all the common questions that we get asked we've included the answer on that page as well
1: so first i have to appreciate you for the courage to especially talk about sex education over your pages as well and the menstrual education so did you have the same scenario that you know your mom or you did not speak up to each other regarding the issues that we that you had did you have the same scenario and what is the scenario now
2: Yeah, I think it's a common scenario for a lot of people, especially growing up, you feel nervous to talk about these, you have maybe one or two health classes in gym that you talk about these topics, and that's it. So I remember, like, if I was on my period, I would shove a tampon in my sleeve, a lot of people have those experiences, and then you run to the bathroom, because you don't want anyone to even know or catch you, even though it's such a normal part of our health and our everyday life. So that's definitely something that happened to me now. But now I'm getting more and more comfortable talking about it. I went on my own learning journey to kind of learn about these topics and become comfortable with it and now i talk in front of hundreds of people talking about menstrual health getting on stage sharing what we're building and so it's been a really big learning curve for myself to be able to go in front of all these people and publicly share what we're building and talk about this journey
1: so what were all the challenges you guys were facing when you have to you know take this brand out because starting up a startup is not easy You're working on something that's clinically important and that has Mm -hmm. so much to do with a body. So you're inserting a tampon, the liquid that it has. You know, you have to come up with a product, like a chemical proportion that actually fits with the body. Some do have allergies, some do have repellents, like Mm a lot of things are included. How did you guys figure it out? What are the challenges you guys have faced so far?
2: There's so many. I mean, entrepreneurship is a whole bunch of learning and challenges every single day. But if I had to pick a couple, I would say one would be what you described around the product development and navigating the Health Canada approval. We were doing this during COVID. And understandably, these regulatory bodies were really tied up with vaccine rollouts and making all the policies. And so people were shifted and things that were supposed to take a couple of weeks or a month to review We're so backlogged and we're taking months and months to review, which pushed out our launch date so much. Um, So navigating through that timing and, and approvals with Health Canada was definitely one of the challenges. I would say another one is just the general stigma around this space. We see that it requires so much education with customers for them to understand this problem and for them to understand how our product helps solve it. And similarly with investors, a lot of people will say, well, isn't this a niche product? And we're like, no, this impacts 50% of the population. This is so important for so many people. And so getting over that stigma and the taboo and the lack of education that's in this industry, that's been a really big challenge for us as well.
1: To a, to a company that's actually trying to, to a startup or a company that's actually trying to create, you know, clinical based equipments or clinical based things, what sort of advice do you want to give? Like, how was the exact procedure? Can you describe us So that will be helpful for some other women or men who's trying to bring out something innovational.
2: Mm-hmm, for sure. So the first thing we did was we just started with the customer survey. And I think that's a big step that people miss, but you really want to interview your customers and understand what it is they're looking for. So we sent out a survey to over 200 people, and we just wanted to understand, like, what are the current products you use? What are the pain points? How would you want to see this product improved? And with that, we got a lot of information on the industry as a whole and how we could start to design our initial prototypes. So after we got that feedback, we started to build some initial prototypes, tested a bunch of different products. And then we sent out our first prototype to, again, over a hundred people for them to try it and test it. And with that, we got a lot of feedback on how the product can be improved and what they wanted to see differently. So we came up with the second version of the prototype and we kept testing and learning until we came up with our finalized prototype. And it was that prototype that we then partnered with the research lab to go through all the testing and make sure that it was safe to use and that the design can be approved. From there, we partnered with a regulatory consultant who helped us to navigate through all of the policies and procedures with Health Canada. So she helped us kind of prepare our submissions, be able to get our licenses, and then we submitted it to Health Canada. And after a lot of back and forth, eventually got that approval to bring the product to market. So that was a kind of summarized version, and I'm happy to kind of expand on anything. But I feel like the biggest thing is remembering to start with the problem because that is something that's really important. A lot of people just jump to the solution, but you really need to understand what the problem is that you're solving. And then being able to test and learn and collect feedback. The first product you put out would probably not be the product you end up putting out, um, because you need to collect that feedback and test and learn. And even today, there's changes that we want to make to the product as we put it out there and get more and more people trying it.
1: So as you were talking about the product and everything, the chemicals like did you guys, you guys have like no knowledge on the chemical side of what you are doing. So how did you get help with that? Like how can people get help in such a situation? If I'm a, I'm a person from like a computer science department. So if I want to do something that's based on chemical research or something, who do you think I should approach first?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think the biggest thing is not being afraid to ask for help. Like people really want to help you, especially if you're young and you're building out a startup, they want to share what their knowledge with you. And so we started by finding different mentors that we could turn to. We had a gynecologist who we frequently collaborated with and ran ideas by her. We had a pelvic physiotherapist who also really helped us. We had some professors who helped us throughout the journey. And then we partnered with that research lab and the regulatory consultant. So also having those professionals that
1: can help guide you throughout the process as well. So how much do you think a person like who's going to pitch should have a financial aspect about his or her company during a pitch, you know, you'll be asked questions from the judges, the juries. So what sort of financial knowledge should a person be prepared before entering into a pitch stage?
2: You definitely want to have that. At the end of the day, people are giving you money because they want to give a return in some kind of way. So being able to have your financial projections and show how this will grow and the reasonable assumptions you made to get to those projections. If you're doing a product showing your unit economics, so how much are you going to acquire a customer for when you're marketing and how much are they going to place in their average order value on, their, on your site or with your product and how long can you retain a customer? I mean, for us, we're so lucky that people get their period for 39 years. So that retention and that lifetime value is a really op- like opportunity yeah. for us. Um, so showing how the, all those numbers work together, how much are you acquiring them for? How much are they spending? And then how long are they staying on with you? So kind of showing all of those aspects to the financial model.
1: Thinking about an idea is easy. Like, you know, we can sit when the professor asks for an idea. We can think about an idea. And, you know, a lot of people do let the idea then in there itself. And then they go for pursuing the other thing like the regular work. but. What motivated you? Like, there has to be some spark, right? In order to, like, okay, we have proposed this idea, but this idea could work even more. Like, when did you get that, you know, spark in your mind?
2: I think we we just, as we started, we didn't think that, okay, this will be a project that we take full time. But as we continued to work on it, we just became so passionate about the impact that this product could make and how many people that it could help. And we just knew, like how does something like this not already exist on the market? And so I think really doing that market scan, understanding what already exists, and we realized we have to take this somewhere and actually build something with it. Um, so that really motivated us to start to raise investment, to go through entrepreneurship programs, and start to build out a network of mentors and people that we can turn to, who really supported us in kind of taking it full time beyond just that school project.
1: Okay, so how much did you raise through your initial seeding? You guys are done with your initial seed seed fund, I think. So how much far you have raised? Like, what's the progress right now?
2: So we did our pre-seed round um, and we raised $500,000, which was really exciting. And then we've also got another $160,000 in grants and wins from pitch competitions. So that's definitely, you can also, for anyone who's interested in starting a business, definitely check out all the grants and the pitch competitions because it's an easy way to earn so much money that's non-dilutive. And so check out different programs that you can
0: apply to, to get some of that initial grant money as well. So as you said, like, it's a never
1: ending process for women having periods for 39 years, it's like, uh, you know, this industry is never gonna go down. It's such a kind of thing. So you are a person who's like completely onto marketing, right? So what sort of marketing strategy you have used so far? Like you can give us some tips and tricks on how to use marketing in terms of acquiring customers as well
2: for us we've really taken a community driven approach to everything that we're doing and so online that results in a really strong tiktok community we're going viral on the platform with a lot of our education and product knowledge that we provide we're on instagram um, and we just really try and provide we call them almost myth busters or like taking some of these facts around menstrual health and breaking down common misconceptions and trying to provide it in an easily digestible and almost fun way for people to learn about their bodies so that's been really powerful we also partner with micro-influencers, so we've been able to send the product out to people who are in similar spaces to us and have them advocate on the product for their community. We've gotten a bunch of press features, which is really exciting because in general, reproductive health is such a big topic in the media right now. And then we're doing a lot of um, campus events. So on like university, college campuses, even some high schools, partnering with them and hosting events for people to learn about their menstrual health, to have these safe spaces, to have these conversations Um, and even other events beyond just campuses. We also had so many pop-ups around the city where we're at stacked market or other big markets and, and festivals so that we can kind of get the product out there and get people to
1: try it. What do you think is the difference between this subscription based model that people have nowadays to actually you can pack all these things and sell as a stack, you know, sell to like, uh, you know, the retail shops or so on? What do you see as a difference between subscription and the regular model?
2: I think for us, the biggest thing is that we're getting that personalized relationship with the customer. So when you're going through the retail channel, you have the retailer as a middleman. And so you can't actually know what your customer is saying about you. You don't know how they feel towards the brand. Whereas now we engage so much. We call people, we get to email our customers back and forth, collect their feedback, even hop on Zoom calls with them. Um, And so that's really powerful to have that personalized relationship with the customer and then be able to create curated content,
0: curated products and education based on their needs and the feedback that they're sharing with you. What do you think is very important? Like email
1: marketing, social media marketing, we have SEO, SEO. So what do you think a company has to focus mainly on?
2: For us, most of our sales have been coming through TikTok. So that's just a really powerful platform for us. I think more and more video content and short form marketing is becoming really, really popular, especially among our target audience of Gen Z. Um, SEO content marketing is really powerful too. For us, we target a lot of keywords that are relevant to our product. So we're trending on things like, why does my tampon hurt or how to insert a tampon? Those are really powerful marketing and like key content that we're ranking for. And then Also email marketing, I mean, that's really powerful too. And it's a direct way to interact with your customer and have that brand voice and that persona be reflective through the emails.
1: When it comes to a startup, startups, like at what stage they have to focus mainly on marketing? Could you just give us an idea on it?
2: I think it's important all the way throughout like even for us before we even had the product in market we were building up our brand we were growing our online community so that when we did launch the product we had a whole already loyal following of people that were already interested in trying it so I think it's never too early to start start building out your brand start putting it out there because your brand will evolve over time and you need that time
1: and that energy to kind of build up that community before you even get a product to market. Could you give us like five biggest mistakes that you have made in marketing ideas that you know, most of the time that could that idea could have put you like a way down than what you were. So what were the five biggest mistakes you have made?
2: I'm not sure if I would say they're mistakes, but I think we're constantly just testing and learning. And so I think something that you have to get comfortable with in entrepreneurship is you might not have something fully perfect before you put it out there. And so we will, you know, test different copy on the website to see what resonates with customers. we Will A-B test different images, different taglines? And so getting comfortable having that test and learn approach so that if some copy is not working, you can quickly update it and test it with a different copy as well
1: basically you know i've talked to many other guests talking about the accelerator program and the pitch thing so for them it was all like a software based project okay so they have to create an mvp and then take it over there present it at least it should show what exactly does the you know software does but for you guys you have to develop something and how was your step like do you have to show an mvp or is it just the idea that you just pitched over there (laughs)
2: the <laughs> We had like some initial prototypes of how this could work, and we used some grant money to help build that initial prototype. But really, in the first round, we were selling the idea. We were selling, this is the movement that we want to create. This is the problem that we're solving. This is how many people it impacts in the market size, and this is how we're going to bring it to market. So I think if you have some early traction and some early data, you can use that to show it to investors. We had done pre-sales as well, so the product wasn't even fully developed, but we did a pre-sale campaign and said, oh, once it is developed, you can buy. It from you can um, have a pre-order from us so we use that initial money from pre-orders to also help us in the development of our product as well
1: great so I haven't talked about this particular topic the pitch in so far like not in any episode so I just I'm so curious about it so what do you think is important to have it in a pitch could you explain it like how long should a pitch be what are the important things you have to do you can give us some strategies on that too that will be helpful for sure I would
2: say it depends. Um, Usually it's about 10 to 15 slides. And some of the key slides, you want to overall be telling a story. So I think some of the key slides is around what problem are you solving? What is your solution? And why is your solution better than what's on the market? Why now? Like, why is now the time for you to solve this problem? Is there some market trends? Is there something happening overall in the economy or in our society? um why are you the team to execute it what kind of skills and experiences do you have and have you built out a team of mentors and advisors who are also going to support you in that journey And then also showing some about the market size, the financials, and how you're actually going to bring this to market. If you're a bit more further along, also showing your traction. So if you can show how much revenue you have, have you done pre-sales? Have you built a website? Do you have community members on social media? Showing that aspect to your pitch is really important as well. But overall, you're trying to tell a story and you're trying to show the bigger, broader mission of what it is you're trying to do beyond just that initial product that you're putting out there.
1: So I just have this, you know, curious question on you. Did you believe like being in the administrative like BBA, what you have learned so far kind of helped you throughout your journey? Like did your studies, whatever you have studied over there in your university, how much big part did it play in your company?
2: I think it helped us a lot. I mean, we studied business and we learned about all the different aspects of business and you need to have that for entrepreneurship. We needed to know how to do our finances and manage our cash flow, how to understand supply chain for operations, how to do marketing and target a customer. So it's definitely, it has been really helpful and we're, we're grateful for that experience. And then when you go and do it, that's a whole other thing. So I think they gave us the knowledge and the tools, but when you actually put those into practice,
1: sometimes there's a lot of learning that goes along with actually doing it for the first time time you. I have a simple question to you like what sort of advice do you want to give teens or girls you know who are into this scenario like to talk to their parents about what particular issue they have what sort of advice do you want to give them
2: I would say definitely turn to our parents guide. We have a lot of resources there for when you're talking about these with your parents. Um, And I would say if you just open up the conversation, a lot of people are willing to kind of chat back with you. So the more we can kind of reduce the stigma in general in this topic and in this space, the more it'll be helpful. I mean, it is something that happens to half the population. It's a normal bodily function. So let's just treat it as a part of our overall health and wellness and not treat it as this taboo, scary topic to talk about.
1: Does Marlow like ships only to people in Canada or do you guys have any international shipping or an international worth? We ship
2: all across Canada and we also ship all across the U.S. So actually a majority of our customers are now based in the U.S. as well mm-hmm. um, and we're slowly looking to expand to other regions as well.
1: Okay, so I, I have this question when you told about like, we are also doing it from US. So for your product, you would have registered, you know, you'd have got approval from the Canadian Health Ministry. But if you are taking it to US, what's the scenario? Like, do I have to get approval from there too? Or no, it's fine if we get it in Canada?
2: You do have to get approval there as well. So we had to go through that process. And the most biggest thing is once you do it in one region, you can usually apply similar tests and approvals in another region, but you do have to file for the appropriate licenses and approvals in that other country as well.
1: As we were talking about the kids, let it be on the other side. What are all the advices you think the parent should follow in terms of talking to their, you know, kids about the menstrual cycle or whatever it is? I would
2: say just being willing to open up the conversation right from the start. A lot of people have these experiences where their parents never talked about it and the first time they get their period they think something's wrong with them they're like why am I bleeding like I don't know what's happening to me so just making people making sure that your child is aware before it happens what's going to happen what kind of products could they use also like maybe buying like a first period kit buying some pads some tampons some liners some period underwear giving that to them and then kind of explaining how each different product works and what the pros and cons are of each different product and then kind of explaining how your body might change throughout your cycle, um, what happens if you get cramps. We have so many resources on our website, on our blog that you can send around like how to insert a tampon, um, what color should the period blood be, what to do if you have cramps. So kind of you, we have a whole my first period section on the website using some of the resources and having those initial conversations that your child's prepared when it does happen. I think that's really effective and they'll learn a bit through health class, but if you can supplement that education with some open conversations at home, that's really important too.
1: Great. So today we have a lot of women based startup. You know, sometimes people point to you feminist, but the actual truth lies within the thoughts. So how much do you think women can bring change after their thirties or after their twenties to the world?
2: Oh, I think women entrepreneurs are so, so powerful. And that's one of my favorite parts about being in the entrepreneurship ecosystem is connecting with other women entrepreneurs and supporting them. It's definitely a big goal of mine in general in my career to be able to support more entrepreneurs, whether that's through capital or resources and mentorship and advice. Um, And so for any women entrepreneurs out there, feel free to always reach out to me. I'm always happy to share advice and share any learnings that I've had along the way. But I do think that it's so powerful what we're creating. And we need to be able to provide more and more capital to women entrepreneurs that they can build their businesses and bring them out.
1: Right. So, what's your piece of advice to an anger out there who's willing to start a startup but still afraid of the society?
2: <laughs> I would say just go out there and test things out. A lot of, like I was talking about earlier, people think it has to be perfect right from the start, but it just starts with an initial customer survey or testing out a brand color or putting out a website landing page and seeing if it sticks so don't be afraid to have it all figured out you're going to learn so much along the way and feel free to reach out to mentors for advice and support there's so many people out there who are willing to support you along that journey as well so I would say that's the biggest thing just don't be afraid to go out and test and learn.
1: So my final question will be what's your view on passion and failure?
2: Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I would say failure is going to be a part of the entrepreneurship journey. There's going to be a lot of times that you test something, it doesn't work, and you have to be able to quickly pivot and learn from it. So don't be afraid to fail and go out there. Um, But if you're following your passion and you're doing something that you're truly excited and passionate about,
1: then that's okay. And failure will be just a part
2: of that process.
1: Thank you so much, Nadia This is one of the most important episode, as I said, you know, previously, but the most exciting episode in terms of the physical needs of a woman to express Mm -hmm. it and all these things. And I'm taking this opportunity, like to all, to say to all the kids and the parents, just physical health is so much important in terms of female and everybody should take care of it and be open to it. And whatever the initiative you are taking and you are doing it,
2: Thank you so much. And it's such an honor to be here and to share a bit about our journey and what we're building.
1: It was actually a great journey because to start from a simple idea to make it to this point, it's actually great. Even at this young age, what you're doing is truly inspirational. And the feel that you actually has chosen it, it's so valuable. And you will be
0: going forward even from <laughs> this point on. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind. What an informative session. Thank you so much Nadia, once again. So, as the season ends today, I just wanted to you know, kind-heartedly extend my gratitude towards CJLO for giving me this wonderful opportunity, like this perfect stage to showcase what I exactly can do. You know, this is such a big initiative that I've made that I changed my life upside down. And I'm so thankful. You know, always and ever for sea And also the prior program director, Mr. Chris Atchikins. And he's the one such a person who, who trusted me, even like I had so many doubts on myself. But he trusted me on that. I should actually thank him. And I miss him not being the program coordinator. But it's fine. You know, things change. People move on. So, guys, as I said, the season one is finishing off today. And thank you for all your support. Like, there have been 200 plus downloads of each and every episode that I've been seeing in the analytics. And I'm so happy for that. Thank you guys for supporting and want you to support the season two as well. Stay tuned for more the season two will be always published on Spotify Apple Podcasts and you can visit ww.ontrobine.com slash podcasts. Thank you guys. Have a Merry Christmas and a great new year. See you soon after Jan. Until then you're listening to Ontrobine and I'm your host, PJ.